0: Well, welcome to Woodlawn. I'm glad to see you and glad to see those worshiping with us online as well. We're always glad to have you in the house. Now, we're in this series. We're in the third week, and it's from to dream to destiny. And we said that Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream when he was 17 years old, and that Joseph stepped into his destiny when he was 30 years old, and he lived out his destiny for the rest of his life. You see, there's a dream that God gives us all, but there's a destiny. And there are two different things. Your dream is not the same thing as your destiny. And we talked about in the first message a couple of weeks ago that Joseph got a dream. In fact, he had a couple of dreams that God gave him, and they were true. They were true dreams. And from that, God then prepared him. He had to go through a, a period of time and a lot of testing and a lot of character testing and a lot of difficulty in order that he might be ready to fulfill God's destiny for his life. And God's destiny for Joseph was that he would feed the multitudes of people. That was different from his dream. His dream was something God told him about him But the destiny was something God was going to do through him, and that's what ultimately happened. So if you didn't get to hear the first message, I hope you'll go back and look online. You can go to woodlawnpcb.info, and you can pick up the sermons anytime and go through them, and you'll just get the message. And so because the first week, we had a special sermon, and, and that was about what? What was the first week about? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Pride. Thank you. I want to thank the one person who knew the answer. And they're not related to me, okay? So i my mother sitting on the front row. The pride test. Remember Joseph was proud? Remember his coat of many colors? Remember all that? Hello? Okay. Then the second week, last week, we had the... The pit test. Yeah, we remember that one because we've all been through the pit, right? So, But here's the thing. We all experienced the pride test. We all experienced the pit test. And today we're going to look at the third one, and that is the palace test the palace test, because today that's what we want to learn about. What was it like for that? Because there are things that just happen in life and God uses them. And then God, sometimes he may steer us through some things that enable us to be ready for our destiny. So if you remember last week, Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit and then they sold him to a Midianite traders who took him to Egypt and sold him there. Okay. Let's look at that verse together. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, let me pause right here because it may be confusing to you. Did you catch that? There are the Midianites and the Ishmaelites, okay? Is that confusing? Did, how many of you caught that when we went through that? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway, even though you didn't catch it, okay? Midian was where these people were from, so they were called Midianites, okay? But Ishmael is who they descended from. That was their heritage, so they were called Ishmaelites. So they were both Midianites and Ishmaelites, you see? And the Bible's not trying to make you confused. It's not contrasting. It's clarifying for you. Ishmaelites and Midianites they were both the same, okay? And then we go on and we see the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian and the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Now I want to point this out because we know from the scripture that his master is an Egyptian and we're not talking about the Egyptians today. We're talking Talking about the Egyptians in those days, because those Egyptians were polytheist. Polytheists are people who believe in many gods, okay? And the difference is that they didn't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, the God that we worship, the true God, Jehovah. They believed in many gods. So it says this So Joseph found favor in the sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had to put under his authority. So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house that all of he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house. For Joseph's sake, I want to pause there for just a minute because that's, that's really interesting to me. We're going we're gonna to go further in just a minute. But because Joseph was there in Potiphar's house, God blessed Potiphar's house. Did you catch that? Just because Joseph had favor, that favor spread to those around him. What a blessing that is. It means that at home and at work, wherever I go, whatever I do, it's just a blessing everywhere. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So, boy, that was a smart move, buying Joseph, wasn't it? You want to get him in the house because he's blessed by God. And then it says this, "...thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate." What's that saying? That says that he trusts Joseph. He's not keeping up with the checkbook. He's not paying any attention to any of the details, the running of the house. He knows that Joseph is prospered by God. He trusts him. He says, this guy can do it. He's in charge. All I know is I got this food in front of me. I don't know what else I got, but I know it's in good hands because Joseph has got it. Now, that's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful that an Egyptian man who is a polytheist, Says that God blessed Joseph and he prospered. And he recognized that. It was just evident to him. And so it goes on and it says Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Have I told you that I identify with Joseph? <laughs> Did I mention that? Nothing specific, just in general. As we're going through this series together, I. I just wanted to make that known to you today in case you missed it, okay? It says, remember, so he's in Potiphar's house and he becomes number two, the number two man in Potiphar's house. But also when he's in prison, Later on, he'll become the number two guy in prison. The, the prison keeper, the guard, he says, you know, Joseph, you just, you're in charge of the prison. You can run. He, he prospered. God blessed him and he made him number two. And later, what happens is he gets in the Pharaoh's presence and the Pharaoh makes Joseph number two again. Now, he's made it all the way from the pit to being number two. And he's, he's always right there. He's, he's like the, right at the right hand of whoever's in power. And that person just offers that power to him because of God. And God placed him there, and God did all that. And Joseph just flourishes in that. But it's not just for Joseph. Because he's going to save multitudes of people because he's going to be able to feed them because God is going to bless him. So it's interesting. It goes on in Genesis. It says, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Isn't that just amazing? And even people who are not followers, they see Joseph. And they see God in Joseph. That's just amazing to me. And everything that he did prospered. Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about this word prosper because what's happened in the world is that that people have a different negative connotation when you talk about the word prosper. But just for a minute, if the Lord were to prosper you in raising your children, would that be okay with you? Yes, Lord, please, please, with your teenagers. I remember when our older daughter was 16, we went to Israel. She didn't want to be there. She wanted to be back home with that loser, I mean that person yeah. that she was dating, that she probably kicked to the curb as soon as she got home, but she couldn't see it then. Now she some of that stuff still is with her. She still heard some things as the guide would talk to us. Catherine was 11. She was right at the guide's elbow. Everything he said, man, It was just, she was soaking it up. Elizabeth was in the back. And then Catherine later on, she turned 16. And my beard turned white overnight. I mean, I could tell you stories. We don't have time for that. What if God prospered you in your job? What if God prospered you in your health? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And so that's what we're going to see today. Now, there are four points I want us to walk through together. First is the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. If, you can, if you've got a way to take notes, if you can stick this in your phone, if you can write this on your hand, if you can pull out a little piece of paper, however you want to do it, text your spouse and start giving them the points to the sermon. They can do the same thing to you. It'll be there, okay? If they're not here, they're going, what in the world? They've gone around the bend. I just sent her to the grocery store. Why am I getting this, right? This is not the list for the groceries. Where's the salsa? That's what I wanted, okay? But, but I want you to catch this because I'm giving you good stuff. Oh, amen? And so I want you to get it. Prospering can happen for everyone when we get into the presence of the Lord. The negative connotation is because some people have misused that terminology, and they've talked about the prosperity gospel. And they said that God wants to give everyone a Rolex and a Mercedes, okay? Okay? Well, that's not true. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but that's not the plan that God has. But he does want to prosper us. That's just a definition that's incorrect. And I want you to understand what prospering means. I want to read to you in Scripture, because God is not against the the concept of prospering or even a derivative of it, okay? It says in Genesis, then Isaac, and I want to pause right there, then Isaac, hang on. Now, who is Isaac? Isaac is Joseph's grandfather, okay? Who was his great-grandfather? Abraham, okay? Joseph's great-grandfather is Abraham. His grandfather is Isaac. Who's his father? Jacob. Jake. I knew if I waited, he would come through for me. And then Joseph, right? You got it? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, that's the lineage, okay? And then it says, Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord what? blessed him. He just blessed him. And that's what God does for us. And that's what we see throughout the Bible that God will bless his people. And then it goes on and says, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Now, does it sound like that God is opposed to prospering people? No. No. It's very clear. We just have to understand the definition of what that is and that word. Deuteronomy says this, Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Okay? So prospering is tied to the presence of the Lord. And then in Third John, it says this. Okay? Uh, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And and that is someone who walked with Jesus who's saying, I pray that your soul prospers, all right? Now, what does this word mean, this word prosper? In Greek, it means for you to help someone along the road. It's kind of like you're walking down the road. Somebody's got a heavy burden they're carrying, and you come along and say, let me help you with that. Let me help you carry that. Let me take your burden. And so that's what the Lord does for us often. But also in Hebrew, it means for God to get behind us and give us a little push, a little encouragement, a little incentive. I I just want to help you. It's like he picks us up and we're just tired on the side of the road. And he says, don't give up look, you're close to the finish. You don't have that much farther to go. Just come on and go with me. I'll help you get there. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to inspire and encourage and affirm and help us to accomplish his purpose. So he helps us along the road. And then we go on and we see that prospering is in the presence of the Lord. But then how do we get that? Well, the key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Okay? So if you're, if you're jotting them down, these are the points. There's four of them. I want you to catch them because they're all signed in together. They, they kind of lead to the next one, okay? The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Now I'm not talking about a works righteousness doctrine where you do everything and then God likes you or blesses you or He he says you're doing a good job. That's not what I'm talking about. Because we're all saved by grace. And we're all sinners, right? Who are saved by grace. But if you want to walk in the presence of the Lord what He's saying is, is when God says come, you come. And when God says stop, you stop. You do what you hear his voice say. You listen to him and you are obedient. Second Chronicles says this. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. Who were the Baals? The Baals were the false gods that everybody else worshipped. He says, no, I'm the one true God. I'm a jealous God. I don't want you worshiping other gods. I don't want you to have any gods before me. I want you to be faithful to me. And David did not seek the Baals. In other words, he obeyed. And that's what he's talking about. Now, God is not talking about perfection. The Bible clearly tells us that we are not perfect. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you are not perfect. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Because this could lead to counseling. I don't know. But really, it's supposed to be something to help you relax. Because if we're not perfect, the Bible says that when we are taken to heaven, that we will be made perfect in heaven like God is perfect. But we're not perfect right now. God does not expect perfection. Can you just go, I am so glad. Boy, that makes me feel better because I was thinking everybody else is perfect, but not me. I'm not perfect. What does God want? He just wants pursuit. He just wants us to go after Him. He wants us to be hungry for Him. He wants us to be obedient to Him. He wants us to turn to Him and to get the help we need from Him to follow Him and do all that He's asked us to do. And it says, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. In the presence of the Lord, you can be obedient. And then it says this. And Sam and uh, uh, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Now I've preached this sermon before. We don't have time for me to bail off into that today, okay? But the bottom line is Saul disobeyed and the Lord departed from him, right? But David obeyed and the Lord was with him. Deuteronomy says, behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. Another way to say that is I want to say that you, you have a reward and you have consequences. And which way you go determines which one you receive because God has a reward for you, but you must be obedient to him. It goes on and says, The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. Okay, you get that? And then it goes on and says this in Job. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. So God is saying, I'm not looking for perfection, I'm looking for pursuit. The scripture in Proverbs says this, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And what he's saying is, is that he already knows our sins. He already knows what we've done. And all he wants us to do is not to try to cover them up and hide them from him. He wants us just to be honest and say, Lord, I messed up. Please forgive me. And to keep a short account. Every day when we turn to God in prayer, we're saying, Lord, please forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Deliver me from my sins. Cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. Because I'm a sinful person. And I'm not perfect. And and, But by your grace and by the blood of Jesus, when you look at me, I'm righteous in your eyes. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. But I want to keep a short account. I want to make sure that I turn to you on a regular basis because I don't want to cover my sins. And you know, as humans, if we don't open up to God and be honest with God, He cannot forgive us because we're not asking Him to. And that's what He expects of us. The presence of the Lord can be with us, but we have to walk with Him. And then He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't leave Him. I mean, that's essentially what Saul did. He just kept walking away from God. God tried to explain to him over and over. He would not be obedient. He kind of was hard-headed. He did his own thing, and that's why he was not in the presence of the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see right here. Uh, an example in Genesis four sixteen. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, what I want you to catch is that there was a chance For Cain to repent. It didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to end for him. God says, where is your brother? And all he had to say was, I messed up, Lord. I sinned. I did the wrong thing. Please forgive me. But what did he say? That famous line, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. That loser. You know, I'm not supposed to keep up with him. And then God says, you know, do you not think that your brother's blood cries out from me from the ground? Do you not realize I know everything you do? There you see it. God is saying to you and me, I already know. It's our tendency to want to hide our worst selves from God. But that's the opposite of what we need to do. We need to run to him and say, Lord, I messed up. Please forgive me. Give me another chance. Just like Joseph did in the pit last week eventually. He eventually got there, didn't he? He started out saying, it's not my fault. It's my brothers. Those brothers that you gave me, they're the ones who messed everything up. Second prayer was probably, okay, maybe I had a little part to do with it, but not everything. It was really the bro- third prayer was, God, help! I did it! I'm wrong! Please forgive me. And that's, that's how we get the presence of the Lord. Okay, prospering, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. So what is the key to obedience? The key to obedience is faith. We have to have faith in order to follow God. The key to obedience is faithfulness. Believing allows us to experience the reward and obey. We know there are consequences if we disobey. Why do children disobey? Because in their mind, they don't think there are any consequences. If you're a parent and you tell your child, if you do this, I'm going to do this, and they do it and you don't do it, then they go, that was just talk. They're not really going to do that because they said they would, but they didn't. You know, they grow up and then they disobey. And what happens? They go to jail. That's what happens. And so parents are supposed to teach their children there are consequences if you disobey. Colossians says this bond servants obey in all things your masters accordingly to the flesh according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleasers but in sincerity of heart fearing God and whatever you do do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men in other words whatever God if God gives you a job and he does by the way If he gives you a job, you don't just do it for the boss. You don't just do it for the money. You do it for God. God gave it to you. There used to be an old song, take this job and. But if God gave it to you, you better take this job and love it. That's right. That's amen. All right. And then it says, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Now let me ask you a question. Why does a farmer plant crops? Not a trick question. (laughs) Why does a farmer plant crops? So they will grow so he can sell them so he can make a living, right, right? And so he puts them in the ground, and he says, I believe they're going to grow. Now, you wouldn't plant crops if you didn't think they were going to grow, and you wouldn't base your whole livelihood on something that does not happen, would you? When you put the crops in the ground, what's going on? You really believe that that's going to turn into something. You put it in the ground, you water it, you may pray over it, you may sing to it if you want to, but you can't make it come up out of the ground. Only God can make it come up, but you're not surprised when it does because you know that God can do that. And then you take your crops and you ask for God to prosper you, to bless you, and you grow your crops and you sell your crops, but you do it because you believe. You've got to have faith in something. you got to really believe in it if you're going to do it. And so think about it this way. How many of you have hot water? Oh. Many of you are not bathing. I can tell yes. just by that answer. There are a few people who went, I've got hot water. The rest of you, don't sit close to them. I'm telling you. <laughs> you, 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 when you what happens when you turn the hot water on? Hot. You turn it on and you put your hand under the faucet, don't you? And what is it? It's cold, especially on a morning like this. It's cold. And what do you do? Do you just turn it off and say, I don't have any hot water? No. You stand there and you go, come on, hot water. I know you're coming. Maybe you sing to it. Come to me. I don't know. But you, and then what happens? It, it shows up. Yeah. And then when it shows up, you're not surprised that you got hot water, you believed in the process. That's why you turned on the faucet. When I first got here to Woodlawn, I knew that I had arrived in all my years of ministry because they gave me an office with a restroom. Yeah, I know it's impressive, yeah. And so I went into the restroom and washed my hands and I turned on the hot water and I put my hand under the faucet and it was very, very cold. And I could still be standing there today, and it would still be very, very cold today if I had not had a conversation with the folks in Woodlawn. And I said, let me explain something to you. You have asked me to be the pastor, the senior pastor of this great church. You trust me to be in that position. However, you're not too sure I can handle hot water. (laughs) So I'd like to have a meeting. I don't care what it takes. I would like to have hot water, okay? And so they came in. They put this thing under my sink. And when I turn it over to hot and I turn it on, it clicks. And then I know hot water is coming. I've been trained. I've watched it happen. And now I have hot water. So, you know what I did? I said, May it go out to all bathrooms. (laughs) I want everyone to have hot water. That happened in my administration. (laughs) Previous administrations didn't have hot water. I'm just pointing that out that I was the one, I was the key to getting the hot water, okay? But here's the thing you believe it. And if you believe it, you will act upon it. And if you believe in God and you believe his commandments, you will have faith and you will be obedient and you will follow him and you will do what he calls you to do. And I can look back over my life, especially at my age now, and I can see how God has prospered me and everything I put my hand to. He's blessed me and and I couldn't have done anything by myself. And with him, all things are possible. And I'm just so grateful. And it was just about walking in obedience, not perfection but obedience and pursuit and forgiveness and grace and confession. And so Joseph had learned from his father and his grandfather what to do, and he knew. And the scripture that ties obedience and belief together, this is a key scripture. I want you to get this one, okay? It's Hebrews, the third chapter. It's 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest? but to those who did not obey. So we see that we couldn't, they could not enter in because of unbelief. I want you to leave that scripture up there. I want you to look at it. And I want you to look at that last word. And, and when you read that progression, does anything jump out at you and it seems to be wrong? It says in there, if you look at it, it says, They did not obey. Okay? So it sounds to me like if you want to be faithful to God, you need to obey him, right? But if you're going to get in trouble, it's going to come because you disobey him, right? What does it say? It says because of unbelief. Now here's what I want you to catch. Don't miss this. If you don't believe, You won't obey. Mm, You've got to believe. You've got to have faith to obey God. You've got to step out on faith for that to occur. And and that's the only way you're going to get there. If you are not a Christian, you won't tell anybody else what it means to be a Christian. Because you don't believe it. But if you are a Christian and you believe in God and you walk with God and you follow him, you will tell other people. Why? Because you believe it. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. You want the whole world to know about it. You want everyone to experience what you have experienced. I want you to catch it. You've got to believe before you can obey And I think that's critical for all of us today. And the reason we don't obey is because we don't believe. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. The key to obedience is faith. But what's the fourth fourth thing? What's the key to faith? It is hearing the word, hearing the word of God. The scripture says in Romans, so then faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's right. Now, here's what I want you to catch. I'm going to wrap this up. Jesus, when he was alive, he would go into the temple, and he would sit down because that's the way they taught. And he would read the Scripture, the Scriptures they had, what we call the Old Testament. He would read that from the Scripture, right? And he would let the people hear it because that's what they did. But then he did something that nobody else did. Because they didn't really have commentary on the Scripture. They just read the Scripture, and everybody believed the Scripture and heard the Scripture. But he said, today, this Scripture is fulfilled. In other words, he's saying, let me introduce myself. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. And they did not take to that very well. But that's what he was doing. That's what he was saying. And it came with the Scripture. When you come to church, what's happening? First of all, why do you come? You come to worship God. That's the reason. The the Gospel of Luke says, Jesus said, when they praised him, when they were laying down the palm branches, he came over the Mount of Olives and they were praising him and they said, hey, that shouldn't be for you. That should be reserved for God the Father. He said, listen, if they are quiet, then the very rocks are going to cry out and praise me. The Gospel of Luke because he's worthy of praise. It's got to happen. It's like gravity. It's like a law of nature. It has to happen. And so I always like to say, Lord, you teach us that that if we don't praise you, then the very rocks are going to cry out and do that, but they don't have to do that today, Lord, because we're going to praise you. We're going to believe in you. We're going to follow you. We're going to confess to you. We're going to come to you and turn to you. You're going to pick us up on the road and pat us on the back and give us the strength and the energy and the encouragement and the affirmation and the joy in our heart. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And from that joy, I'm going to be able to go forward. I'm going to be able to be in your presence. And I'm going to be able to follow your will. And not just for me but you're gonna use me to do whatever you wanna do with all these other folks, because that's what you wanna do. That's what you've chosen to do. And I get a front row seat to watch it work. What a blessing that is. What an opportunity it is to serve the Lord in that way. And so I want you to get it. Jesus taught the scriptures to encourage. It's like you come to church because God created the church. And he put us together with other Christian people so that we might be encouraged. I got my friends with me. When I got a problem, I can call them up or text them or talk to them. And I can say, hey, I need you to pray for me. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what what God has in mind here, but I want to find his answer for it. And so we are encouraged, and there's strength in bunches. If the enemy gets us isolated, he can beat us one-on-one every time. But together... With God, all things are possible. And so what he says to us is, listen, I want you to walk with me. I want you to be in fellowship with me. I want you to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want you to be victorious because I'm going to use you and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to work through you to accomplish something in somebody else's life that you may not even know, but they're watching you and they're seeing you, and they're seeing that you're human, and they're seeing that you're not perfect, but you don't give up because you've got the joy of the Lord. You've got the strength of the Holy Spirit. You've got the power of God in your life, and even though you fail, you don't stay down. With God's help, you get back up, and you go after it again and again and again, and that's why we get together, and that's why we sing, And that's why we listen to God's word and we share. And that's why we go back out to be his people in his world to accomplish his purposes. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said,